1: Hi, everyone. I am Shira, um, one half of How To ABA. Um, And when Shana and I got together, we did not plan that both of our names start with SH. That was just a coincidence. (laughs) Um, So I'm really excited to be doing this podcast. We're really excited to be able to present some of the community members that are going to be coming on. But I guess it starts with us. So today, I'm going to be sharing my journey, how I got into the field, my experience with ABA, and kind of how to how how to ABA came into existence so, um, I had a bit of a uh, a non-straight path into the field. I had no idea what ABA was. I had no idea what a BCBA was. Um, I was very interested in working with kids and doing something in the field of early intervention. And at the time, my choices were physical therapy, occupational therapy, and I think nursing was one of my options. I actually started a physical therapy program. Um, and I was just like, this is this is not for me. At the time, I was living in New York and I didn't again, I didn't know that this existed, but somebody then told me that, oh, you can work with young kids and doing early intervention by getting just a master's in special education. So I was like, great, I'll get a master's in special education. Um, and it, it was actually a nice short master's that I could do in the summers because I was working during the year. So I did it in the summer. And um, at the time I had one child, he was very young, he was a baby, I couldn't commit to much. Um, but I was you know, committed to getting my master's, and after that, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I was, at the time, living in, in Israel, and I completed it partly online, partly in person. And then we're moving back to the States, and I actually lived in Texas. And then, again, I had no idea what ABA was, didn't even know where to look, and I had this master's in early childhood education, so I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to be a teacher. Um and I was never really motivated to be a teacher. It wasn't something that I was really looking for. Um, but I started off as being an assistant. And within two weeks of me starting as an assistant, my first experience in the classroom, the main teacher quit. And so I was thrown into the role of the main teacher. And I was totally unprepared. Um, and and I, I almost look back on that, knowing now what I didn't know then is like, you know, somewhat embarrassing. Um So I became the main teacher and I was working with kids who were probably about four, four years old, which I love. I love that age group. And um, I remember having a couple kids who just weren't getting it. They weren't really fitting in, but they didn't really have a diagnosis either. They were just like, you know, I couldn't reach them. I couldn't get to them. They were those kids who were going to fall through the cracks and I tried, I know we, I remember we had a consulting psychologist and I would talk to the parents. And at the time I was like this young, I was in my early twenties. Like, who was I to really say that there was something going on with this kid, but the professionals couldn't help me either. And I felt, you know, really lost. Um, I wanted to be able to help more of the kids and more of the students. And so after living in Texas for a couple of years and teaching for a couple of years, I ended up moving back to Toronto and um, I had a family member who actually went through ABA. And so I was like, Oh, that sounds really interesting. And so they connected me actually with Shana and they said, why don't I connect you? She'll, you know, she's a great resource in the field. I called her before I even came to Toronto and, you know, she gave me a ton of information and was like, you know, I don't know you. So good luck. Um, Here's what you need to know about the field. And I was like, great, thanks. And so I came back to Toronto and I was willing to volunteer. I spent a lot of years volunteering, a lot of months volunteering. At this point, I, was, I think I was pregnant with my second kid. So it was very hard for me to even commit to a long-term job. Sorry, I was pregnant with my third kid. And um, after my daughter was born, I, I was like really aggressive about finding a job in the field. And I ended up finding a parent who hired me through some job board and, um, Again, little did I know. I knew nothing about the to- the field at the time. And um, one of my first few times meeting with the family, Shana was actually the consulting um, consulting therapist on the team. And I was like, "Great, here we are. What a small world!" And um, you know, we worked together for for a little while, and uh, and then you know, Shayna presented to me the option of like, you know, why don't you? a BCBA at the time. I only had a master's in education. I didn't even know, you know, that I, I, didn't even dream that far, far ahead. Um, I was just so busy. I had three little kids. My daughter was less than one. Um, I was so overwhelmed with life at that time. I just moved to Toronto and I was like, can I really do this? Um, and I started, I started my courses towards my BCBA, um, you know, Shayna really gave me the opportunity to like continue to to work with her throughout my coursework. Um, so I was working while doing my coursework while having my three little children. I wouldn't recommend those few years to anyone. <laughs> I wouldn't do it over
0: again. Um, At the time, you had three kids under the age of five. Yes, they were very little. And you were doing your BCBA coursework and you were working. I just wanted to put that into perspective for everyone.
1: Yeah. And I know a lot of people we've spoken to, you know, have a similar journey. It's not easy, like, and, and it's not meant to be easy, but there was always like a light at the end of the tunnel. And there was always something on the other side that made it worthwhile. Um, and at the time, that was really all I knew. And I was just willing to do it because I knew that I, I needed to, like, I, I needed to do the most that I could do for myself, for my my clients for my kids um and that was my motivation at the time um and and I did it like I you know I got my BCBA and I that was probably 2014 where when I got my BCBA. Um, and I started, you know, continuing to consult mostly home based was I would say, like where I spent most of my time, which was great for me having little kids, I was able to make my own schedule. You know, I worked for myself. So I, you know, canceled if I needed to, not canceled, but I, I arranged my schedule based on my kids schedules. Um, my days weren't usually full packed, I, I didn't work full time at, at that point. Um, and, and it really worked for me. And then you know, after a couple years of working with Jana, we worked together that, that entire time. Um, you know, I, I was just always in awe of her ability to, to write these programs and that, you know, we kind of amassed this, what we call the drive of just materials and resources and programs. And we said like, this, this really should be shared. You know, like I, it was so hard for me to get into the field and figure things out. Um, you know, I did have Shane and I did have support and I had people supporting me. Um, but I remember that feeling of not knowing anything and like just being so overwhelmed. And, um, you know, that first data sheet that I wrote and, and us going back and forth with you editing it and, and improving it. And I was like, how did you know that? Um, and Why, like, we don't have to do that every time. So, so that's where How to ABA kind of was born. Um, it was this idea of taking all these resources that we've collected over the years and sharing them and putting them in a way where we can disseminate them to other professionals so that. Um, our professional, our fellow professionals can benefit, but also the clients can benefit. Like we know how pressed for time we are, and how hard and overwhelming our schedules can be. So if we could all just, you know, pool our resources and work together, it only benefits, you know, our clients and our kids. Um, and so we started how to ABA in 2017. Um, and it's our, our main site is our blog and um, our website. And we also have our membership community where people can really, you know, it's, it's there, they, they're members with one purchase and they get everything, all of us, you get all of our resources, CEUs, um, everything that, that we've collected over the years in the field is available to our members. Um and we're just really excited to be able to to share and contribute to the field. Um, you know, looking back and having come so far and having learned so much and still having so much to learn, um, really just being able to have a place that we can give back and disseminate and support other people has been really great.
0: And Sherry, you mentioned, you know, that we had this drive that we had created with millions, probably not millions, hundreds of programs, though, and program materials that go with that and everything else. And, you know, when you started working with me, you had other experiences as well, as well. But, you know, you said something to me that said, Shana, you know, you've got a really unique way of thinking. And I just went, what? Huh? I do? Because it's just something that I just did. You know, I just, I just did, you know, came and created programs, and then those programs built up into other programs, etc. Um, and then, you know, when you and I started How to ABA, you know, we really did that because we were talking and saying, nobody out there seems to share. How come everybody needs to reinvent the wheel every single time? You know, surely, you know, there's got to be another prepositions program that exists that, you know, looks like yours, like it, you know, like somebody else has taught attributes before. Um, Why is everybody so secretive? And why do we all need to do this? And I think that's how you know, we started how to ABA was really for that and saying, listen, like we want to share our resources and we should become a community because it can definitely be lonely out there, especially when you first get your BCBA and don't know what you're doing or don't know where to start at least. Right. One of the things that I loved about,
1: um, how you kind of how you trained me and how the programs work was that non cookie cutter approach to ABA and I think a lot of the things that are out there are based on this like you know big large heavy curriculum that someone somewhere created that you can kind of print and use as a template Um, but no two kids with autism are the same and no situations are the same and without being able to think outside of the box um, we're really not doing our kids, you know, a good service. So I think it was that the fact that the programs are so dynamic and so, you know, not cookie cutter and really not based on, a, you know, this whole concept of just using templates and, and photocopying and and just having them all look the same um, was really something that I thought everybody needs to know, needed to know about, you know, and it's It's all about the materials coming from the professionals who are practicing. And I think a lot of the stuff that we get is from the, you know, the people who are researching and writing journals and the people who are not really like on the grounds um, having the experiences. And what I love about the behavior resource is that if me or Shana are working somewhere and we have this case and we're writing something and... I'm like, you know what? This is great. It worked for my student. I'm going to share it. And so that it's it's really like this dynamic resource that keeps growing as we encounter new situations and as we,
0: you know, find new ways to solve problems. And sure, we got off topic a little bit, but, uh, you know, you said that you were a consultant, you finished your story with, you know, I was a consultant and making my own hours, but, you know, tell people what you do now. Cause I think it's yeah. super fascinating. So, so
1: what I do now is what I'm really passionate about is, you know, back to when I was a teacher, um, I guess I still really, there was something about teaching that really stuck with me because what I love is now um, combining the, the teaching and education with ABA. Um, so what I do now is um, I'm the director of behavioral services for an organization that is essentially a school. We also do clinic services um, and respite camp, those types of programs. Um, but we've, and it's a private school, so we've had the luxury of being able to really, like, merge ABA and education. Um, ABA happens in all of the classrooms. Uh, most of the staff at this point are ABA trained. We have a couple of BCBAs who run classrooms. Um, and to me, it's so exciting having come from a background where ABA kind of happens in someone's home in a vacuum, and then we had that It was such a challenge then transition this child back into school or back into regular life or consult with the teachers who didn't want to hear anything about ABA. And what I love about what I'm doing now is really giving kids like a comprehensive experience. You know, we work with the OTs, PT, speech, teachers, parents, um, really looking at the big picture of how we can support the child. Um, And I love that ABA
0: can play a role
1: in that and in this child's greater educational experience.
0: I love that. Throughout your journey, Shira, what would you say, besides raising three kids under the age of five, what would you say your biggest obstacle would be in this field? Um, So I definitely
1: struggled with like imposter syndrome. I think that coming into the field, I I practiced or, you know, I was doing a lot of um, supervision work or consultants work before I even had my BCBA. Um, And I think I always just didn't feel confident enough. I thought like, who am I? Like, why would they listen to me? Um, And I I didn't, I didn't have the confidence to believe that I really, you know, didn't know what I was talking about. And what I kind of learned is it's not even necessarily that I had to have pass the exam or have the degree or have the experience. Sometimes like I just had to realize, like, I know what I'm talking about. Like some people just have, you know, good intuition or good um, instincts about this. And I had to trust my own and I had to realize that I didn't know what I was talking about. Um, and not
0: not get caught up in that imposter syndrome. So what advice would you give to a newly minted BCBA? Would that be it? Don't get caught up in that?
1: Yeah, I think that that's part of it. You know, um, I think also what I would say is, have people around you like create that community for yourself where you can continue to learn from I think part of feeling like an imposter is that if you're all alone and you really have nobody there to rely on um you you doubt yourself so I think have people that you can rely on um it's not just about passing the exam that learning doesn't end there it's it's a shame that supervision ends there but I think we have to feel like we're getting ongoing supervision and ongoing learning um so don't think that now you know everything just because as you pass the exam
0: yeah um, that's that's huge that okay i i ticked that box i studied forever and now i never need to pick up a journal article again um, is the wrong approach to aba professionals right you constantly learning constantly reading things constantly you know learning from each other as well as what we need to do um in this field things are changing quite dramatically which i love um if there was one thing you could change about the field what would that be
1: I think that ABA needs to, I think we're doing better with it not happening just in a vacuum and it not just being ABA, but I think if ABA could be more um, more common, like it wasn't just like, oh, my kid's in ABA therapy, so they'll do ABA and I won't, but I think parents have to be more on board. It has to be more doable. Cohesive. Um, yeah, and more like relevant to like so that teachers wouldn't feel intimidated by it and parents aren't intimidated by it. And it's not just something that like, oh, this kid is doing ABA. So when he's with me for these three hours, he's doing ABA. And then in the rest of his life, like, you know, we've kind of throw that out the window. So I loved for the field to be more less intimidating and more doable so that more people felt like um, it was relevant to them, that parents were more on board, that we had a way of reaching more of the people that have an impact in people's lives so that it it was more of a comprehensive thing and it wasn't just happening in a clinic in isolation.
0: So true. And, you know, for ABA to be effective, you know, everybody needs to be consistent. And, you know, it should be a comprehensive approach. And probably a multidisciplinary approach as well. But, you know, traditionally, a lot of ABA people have been very um, technical when they're explaining things. And that can scare a lot of people. So, you know, I hear what you're saying, just in terms of making things, you know, just a lot more friendly. You know, we pair ourselves with reinforcement when we work with, you know, new students. Um, but as professionals, we don't always pair ourselves with other professionals or with other parents. So that's a huge yeah, and, point. Yeah. And the
1: other thing I would say is that um, I think a lot of times people think of ABA as like that one-to-one DTT, tabletop, like dry style. Um, and I think that if the field could represent itself as more, um, you know, like the way that, that we do ABA is it's in a classroom, you know, like there's kids who they, they may benefit from one-to-one, but you know what, they're going to learn how to do this in a group setting. And that's still ABA. And some kids may not need the one-to-one or they may get too attached to the one-to-one or their parents are too dependent on the one-to-one when in reality, if we can make, if we can broaden the scope of ABA and say any of these things are ABA and by you attending this program or working in this, in this style, it's not just about sitting at a table and, you know, learning drills. Um, but there's so many different ways that we can
0: broaden our scope of ABA. Absolutely. Such a great point. Um, what's, uh, the best advice anyone's ever given you? Hmm. Um, so to piggyback
1: on Shayna's session, <laughs> one of the thing that's one of the things that sticks in my mind is um, Shayna used to always say to me like "fake it till you make it," <laughs> and that was you know back when I was like super intimidated, you know, feeling like who am I to tell people what to do and feeling that imposter syndrome. And it wasn't in a bad way. Like I don't think that I didn't know what I was talking about. It was just a confidence thing. And I think by hearing like it's okay, like even if you don't have all the answers, you know. Pretend you do. Like just have the confidence to make people think that you cause you could be saying the same thing. And if you say it in a unsure, like unconfident kind of like nervous way, or if you say the same thing in a confident, assured, like, you know, strong way, um You're going to make people just feel a lot safer if you feel confident. So it's not just about the message that you're giving, it's how you're giving it. So I think that that was was probably the best thing that helped me overcome that and helped me feel assured in
0: how I'm giving over messages. Amazing. And what practical advice would you want to share with others besides that? I think just be open-minded, like be
1: open to to learning from everywhere and anywhere. Um, Don't think that we know it all. There's so many resources out there. Try them, learn from them. Um, and don't, like, don't pigeonhole yourself into like, this is how it's been done. And this is how I'm going to do it. And this is ABA. And all I, all I allow myself is this one little window of ABA. Um, there's just so much we can learn from other fields, from, you know, being a little
0: creative and innovative with the fields. So yeah, be ready to do that. Awesome. Thank you. Um, one last question, just in terms of your favorite ABA go-to resource besides how to ABA. Well, obviously my drive
1: is, is a (laughs) lifesaver. Um, I love direct instruction. It's one of my favorite things. Um, I think especially with like that, um, you know, merge into the classroom. I find that it's it's so applicable and so relevant. Um, I, I do all so the direct-
0: You're talking about Siegfried Engelman, the SRA, Language for Learning, Reading uh, Mastery. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, I love those. Um, and I think also just get some fun toys, like just be fun. Have your, have the kids really want to like be with you. Um and play with you and just be prepared for that. Otherwise, like I I was, you know, having this conversation earlier with someone where, um, it doesn't have to be fancy to work. Like ABA can work with, you know, a couple notepads and some sticky notes and, you know, a couple flashcards. Like you don't really need lots, um, lots of fancy things for good ABA. Good ABA really has to be fun and doable. Um, and we we want to see progress.
0: I remember when I first met you, Shira, so you told your side of the story, um, when I walked into the client's place, and you know they introduced me to this brand new therapist. Her name sounded really familiar, and then as we got talking, I'm like, wait a second, I know exactly who this is, because we had a conversation on the phone, or a couple conversations on the phone, but I remember you had your big bag of toys and you had this really cool toy and it was like a spinny top and it lit up and it made noise. And you were so fun and you were one of the best therapists that I've ever worked with. And I could watch you in session all day long because you're just fun. And you've got all these toys in your bag. Like you're seriously like the mom with like everything, but the kitchen sink in your bag. And, you know, I think I said, you know, where did you get those toys? And you just went the dollar store, you know like. <laughs> where else would I get them from? And, you know, every single time you just pulled out something different and it was so fun to watch you and you were just so engaging. Aww. And uh, I knew, you know, you, you said right away, like, I, I, I got to work with her. I knew right away I needed to work with you as well. So.
1: ah, and we lived happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, My kids still joke that I I used to take their
1: toys all the time and like, they would never come back. (laughs) Um, But no, my kids were like also the best resource because what they thought was fun, like obviously these, my clients were going to think was fun. So
0: I would take all their best stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. Why do you think I know Paw Patrol so well? And why do you think (laughs) I can recite uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and all those other ones? So anyway, Shira, thank you. Um, I was gonna say it's really great getting to know you. But gosh, I've known you for (laughs) years. So I really can't say that that you learned about me. Or did you already know all that? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I actually uh, could listen to you know, your journeys forever, like where you've lived and all of that kind of stuff. I still I I still love listening to the fact that you've lived in so many different places and your experiences there.
1: Yeah. And I think it's really, you know, made me who I am today, right? I've lived in four different countries, three different cities. Toronto is where I am right now. But yeah, it's really taught me a lot.
0: Awesome. So well, I look forward to doing these podcasts. And, uh, you know, like we said, it was super intimidating to start this, but uh, we're now on episode number three, and we got through it. So stay tuned for more. I'm really excited.
1: Yay, we're doing it. We're doing it. It's
0: happening. <laughs> okay.